We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Liberty in America is under assault. We no longer live in a reality that includes property rights. We're no longer the kings of our own castle. We no longer enjoy the true benefits of capitalism. Instead, we're negotiating our rights with our own government. This isn't how our country was founded. These aren't the ideas of our founders. It's time to seize back our country. This is the Liberty Hour, where these important issues will be discussed for the sake of America's future. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Constitution in the other, here's your host, Sean Thompson. This is the Liberty Hour podcast, where anything can happen. Justin, we talk about everything from old ladies with stretch marks on their earlobes, stopping in the expressway, all the way to Generation Z, unable to afford the cars made specifically for them. Um, but one thing I'm I'm always fascinated with is the amount of clips. How about this damn prophet? I mean, what does the guy sleep? There's like 600 clips here. I, I'm getting lost in the uh, dizzying array of choices of what to talk about. And the funny thing is, last night I was watching the evening news. And I, I, I have to say, I, I don't know if it's, uh, what do they call it? schadenfreude when you just like to see other people just implode if that's the reason i watch our horrific which could be what to me one of those crypt keeper hbo specials from the 90s when you turn on the evening news in chicago they give you this terrible information with a plastic fake smile stuffed on the you know stuck on their stuffed faces which i i, I can't look away from and i'm not specifically talking about anybody in particular rosati not at all I'm talking more in general about the talking mannequins that make up the uh, Chicago media. Now, it was on um, Wojciechowski. What the hell is that guy's name? He's been there forever. He's like a, a, a poor man's version of Chuck Gowdy. He's an investigative reporter for Channel 5, Charles Chuck Wojciechowski. And he, uh, he had on our very own Jelly Belly Pritzker. And the interview was so benign, such fluff, that I refused to send a cut from that scumbag. So I found a CBS one with the girl with the nice hair. Because if I'm going to be lied to, Justin, I want it to be from somebody with cleavage. If I'm going to get fluffed and lied to and propagandized, at least make it a chick. Hey, did you cut up that Beastie Boy or get girls yet? Because oh, that would be a perfect time for the insert clip. But um, here's what we heard in regards to the fake success of Jelly Belly Pritzker. A man who it's almost impressive how fat he is. At such a short stature that he can stay upright. It truly is. By the way, if you care to participate, we're live today, baby. 312-642-5600. Don't wait till the last minute because I've got to cut this early. I've got a couple jobs i got to go to attend to here. Governor J.B. Pritzker is marking his 100th day in office and says his biggest accomplishment so far is passage of a minimum wage hike. His next big challenge, passage of a graduated income tax. Republicans and business interests... Hold on, hold on. Because I'm going to stop and then we're going to go because there's there's too much bullshit thrown at me at one time to just 
let it finish. Let's talk about what his accomplishments were in that little clip there. So it's a $15, what'd they say, $15 minimum wage? And what was the other part? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Governor J.B. Pritzker is marking his 100th day in office and says his biggest accomplishment so far is passage of a minimum wage hike. His next big challenge, passage of a graduated income tax. There it is. Okay. So what he's done in these two things, a graduated income tax, and the fifth, that's his goal, and it will pass. There's not even a question. He's got his front company, his, his, uh, his tax shill company running commercials at God only can imagine how much that costs because I'm inundated with them on a daily basis now. And the $15 minimum minimum wage hike, which if you're listening to this show, you're probably smart enough to realize that's not a benefit to society. In fact, in each and every case, the minimum wage has been manipulated from Mount High. Small business has blown by the wayside because they don't like when you mandate their costs because what's not talked about in the Illinois minimum wage is all of the things that the employer must pay along with that minimum wage. The, uh, the, all, the, all the penalties for having an, an employee, the workers' comp, which is the highest in the country in Illinois. Did you know that? The workmen's comp, the FICA, the Social Security, all of the BS that your employer would rather give you the money, which, in fact, if you make $10 an hour, or $9 an hour, you're costing your employer well over 15 an hour. Did you know that? Probably didn't know that. And why would that get out? That's information that could be used against um, the tyranny that our Illinois government likes to implement in every case. So we're not addressing the actual problems with employment, with paying your people. Why don't we have a Republican rebuttal to this? Why don't we say you do realize, ladies and gentlemen, and those of you who uh, are focused on the minimum wage, there's no such thing as a minimum wage. In fact, what we give the employee is just a shadow of the actual cost by the employer. Has there been one time a reporter asked that of one of these Marxist frauds like Jelly Belly Pritzker? One time? No, of course not. Because they want you stupid. They want you ignorant, and they want to control the mob so they can all chant at what a success this failure is. And by the way, if you haven't been paying attention, the real story of Jelly Belly's first 100 days isn't his so-called achievements, which are really detriments to society. The, the real um, result of him is the absolute panic by capitalists, by small business, by people who are not in on the scam that is Illinois government. It is the running from the welfare state. He guarantees that it is. And by the way, this mandated $15 an hour, you may pretend that you're worth the $15 an hour if you're one of these minimum wage slots who smokes dope in between your jobs, right? Because if you're, if you're 40 years old and minimum wage is your concern, you're a loser. You're somebody who rejects the responsibilities of, of adulthood. And I would say this to my daughters, if you're 40 or 30 and minimum wage is your, your goal and what you need, you have made such terrible choices in your life, you need government to sustain you. Because this isn't really earning $15. This is a mandated welfare. You're not worth it. It's just against the law to pay you anything less. That's on the employee side who like to walk around and pretend they're good at something. Oh, I got a caller. Love the callers. Let's go to Mike. In Plano, Mike, thanks for calling the show. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good, Sean. 
Listen, man, I am getting sick to death of these Democrat communists using the word moral. I hear it all the time. When did members of Bill Clinton's party of infanticide and deviancy become the moral authorities on anything? Mike, but if you step back and, and, and listen, you know, you know I agree with all, everything you just said. But if you step back and look at it yeah. as a witness rather than somebody involved in it, which is hard to do. It's hard to do in anything. But just step back. Look at how beautiful this scam has worked. Look at how amazing it has worked where you have turned immorality into virtue, right? Think about what, what we yeah. used to feel like, like your dad, when we were kids and you go to the family and you hear the old men talk and how proud they were that they were able to start on a shoestring of business and maybe take a chance and go ahead an idea. Now look at what we've become. See, I run a small business. Yep. I run a small business. I, I kind of saw this coming, so I don't have employees. I got rid of all employees. I have business partners. That's, that's how, that's how I, I circumvent this issue. So I took a, a, a girl who was a helper, and I made her a partner. Because now you're a partner, you split the profits. There's no guarantee in, in hourly wage. But I'm a small mom-and-pop thing, and I, I focus on the business. And here's the other thing, Mike. I'll shut the doors of that son of a bitch before I let somebody tell me how to run it. Because, you know, me, that's just how stubborn I am. I'm a cut-my-nose-off-to-spite-my-face kind of guy, especially when I'm being bullied. I was never a good victim. By the way, uh, uh, Keith just walked by, who is a regular in the, in, in the radio business, and he always looks like he just got thrown out of a fraternity. You should see how dolled up he is. He must have an interview. Anyway, um, the, the funny thing is, that's the kind of reality that happens when you have this policy, because what they're not talking about, Charles Wojciechowski and Chuck Gowdy, is the amount of small businesses that have closed from the time Pritzker won to today. Those first 100 days, I venture to say it is the, the, the time when most businesses and most people who are productive taxpayers have fled the state. And it will continue to be so. But he comes on and he takes advantage of that situation by claiming to represent the least among us. And do you know what the people who depend on welfare do when they hear Jelly Belly? They say, yeah, go get them. So, Mike, when I say step back, it's because we who are arguing for the individual rights and for the property rights that, that America is, we're the bad guys now. You're the bad guy. You realize that the Pritzkers and the, his fans that, that are listening to you, they say, look at this guy, Mike. He is so stupid. He's arguing against what we're trying to do, which is give him a good life. And, and, and yeah. that's why I say, Mike, it's time to go. Those people who ran, they're right. Because this is the media. Yeah. The reason I grabbed this clip, is this is the media that should be challenging the failure. And instead, they're, they're promoting it and propagandizing it. And that's how you know, brother, it's all over with. And when you said that... Sean, over, you're, uh, you're, focused, oh, yeah, you're focused on the political stuff, and that's cool. And uh, I'm focused on the spiritual stuff, too. And that's why I mentioned the word moral. And, and here, here's where, where that's important. You know, the, the suburb communities that you, you grew up in, you mm -hmm. know, 50 years ago, those were bastions of conservatism yeah. because the moral authority was the church. They were the ones that dictated the moral standards of life in these communities. Hillary Clinton grew up in Park Ridge as a conservative. She was a Goldwater girl. She didn't yeah. become a super liberal until college. But it's interesting that, what you're that, saying. That's important. 
What about what the Pope just said during the Easter services? See, you're right, by the exactly. way. I'm not, agree- I'm not disagreeing with you. You're right. I grew up in Melrose Park. Blue-collar workers yeah. who had too much pride to, go, to, to buy the bullshit from uh, Pritzker and the, and, and the likes of the now mayor, Ron Serpico. They, they would have rejected all of this. But my point is the, the very foundation or what they relied on as their moral authority in the church has also become communist at the same time. Because you clearly that, have a pope Sean. that's a communist. Hey. I was about to say that, Sean. You know what's happened in, in, in this country probably since the 60s is our seminaries have been infected with communism. They abandoned the gospel of Jesus Christ for the gospel of social justice. That's why you have these frauds like Bill Hybels over there at Willow Creek Church oh. preaching the gospel of feel good and all, all that nonsense. And it carries over into, into political life. How about politics Joe? down strength and culture. You think it's any coincidence? That Joel Olstein, the the outright scam artist, married to the stripper, the outright fraud that he is, follows George Stephanopoulos on Sunday. So you go right from the socialist, social engineering commie pretending to be a socialist, compassionate socialist in George Stephanopoulos, and you go right to the other pretend virtuous scumbag lying yeah. socialist Joel Olstein, who has figured out a way to sell you a grace he doesn't possess. It's almost as good as the Catholic Church. So when you say you're not religious, mm-hmm. i got to tell you something, Mike. I recognize this as a young man. When I saw our, at the time, and, and I went to Mont Carmel, that was my parish in Melrose Park, he was a flaming fruitcake. And I said to myself, you mean to tell me God wants me to confess my sins to this fruit? I don't think so. He's not closer to God than me, and I, and I rejected it at about nine years old because I, I used to hang around with this kid in the neighborhood. His name was Ivan, and he was a, a Cuban kid, handsome kid, and I always noticed, I think this priest is all over this kid. He was hitting on my friend, and I was nine mm-hmm. and ten years old. Kids pick up on this, and parents, thankfully, I didn't have one of those parents that shoved me into the arms of these scoundrels. My mother was a, she said, forget about it. Do you, 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 go with your gut. That was my, my, my mother always told me. Go with your gut. And that's the kind of thing I try to tell my kids. Stay away from people. I don't, I don't make them run to them because they, they throw a, a little white square on their neck. Get the hell out of here. And, you, and look at how brilliant she was. Because I'm talking about the 70s. When they were looking at, at young boys like I looked at strippers in the 90s. That's despicable to me. And now this is the church that tells you how to live your life. I rejected it all. I denounced Catholicism years ago. And, uh, and, and as far as, it's not just Catholics that do it. It's Christians, too. How about in Willow Creek that was a sex organization for God's sake? I mean, you can't write this yeah. stuff down. So there is no like authority. That, Sean, it's all a place like that, yeah, a place like that, Sean. It's all, about, it's all about you and how great you are. It has nothing to do with God. Yeah. And then they turn around and flip it out. And the reason that I t- I've been a born-again Christian since 2014, so I know what I'm talking about. They, they tell me that I'm selfish, I only care about myself, and it's really them. See, they try to flip it back on you. I believe the origin of man is a man who fights for his own individual freedom. I think that's what it is. And mm-hmm. I also believe in the gut instinct of man, too. I didn't need a religious figure to tell me to murder a baby is the good thing to do. I rejected it without even thinking, what would my priest say? I remember years ago when, you know, girls... They would they would extort guys for money, or they would you know have baby or whatever. They would use the the pregnancy against the man as the as a weapon. And I thought to myself, what kind of guy would say, okay, I knocked this girl up, let me give her three hundred dollars to kill the baby. The only good thing to come from anything in life is is the babies. That's the true future. 
And the, I don't need a priest or a reverend or anybody uh, uh, cloaking themselves with the virtue of God to tell me killing a baby is wrong. It's about believing yeah, that sure. that baby's as important as the mother, which is how I look at everybody. The homosexuals as important as me. The black guys as, as important as me. This is my view of life. I just want their freedom to remain in their circle, and I don't want their needs to be used against my freedom and my property. That's the issue. Yeah, Sean. Uh, yeah, uh, and you said several times, yeah, I'm a very religious guy. I dig that. You know, I'm not trying to shove that stuff down your oh. throat, but that is important because uh, it, this is... When the church fails, that's when government comes in. That's when you see people give their life to the state. Here's that's the, when you see collectivism. And I want to clear up some. You're right. I'm not a religious person in the organized religions that we see, but I'm, I'm going to tell you something right now. I sure. believe this. I believe this since I was a kid. To me, religion is your relationship with God. Listen, I'm blessed in my life, yeah. and I, I, I just recently blessed in my life, and I, I, I get in the car, I light a cigar, and I say to myself, thank you, God. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I talk to God. I think the people... Yeah, beware- Christianity, it's not about... Christianity yeah. isn't about religion. It's about relationship. I, and God I, has a plan for your life, Sean, and it, it might be, be doing what you're doing right now. I remember Christopher Hitchens. You remember him? And... Uh, I used to, uh, not really. Christopher Hitchens was an intellectual guy. He was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant guy. And he was right about virtually everything, except he had this, this rejection of God that I found it, it was almost, it was hyper. It was, it, was a, it was such a rejection that he didn't think it out for being a guy who, now listen, he had questions, and I have questions too. And ultimately, when you rely on, you know, the religious thing of, oh, it's faith. I don't think it's faith. I think God exists in everybody's life, and I think there are, there are miracles in your life that, that connect you to God. I hate the guys who come in and try to represent God. I reject them. I don't reject God. So that's important because, oh, sure. you know, I, I've always felt this way. I think it's important. And, and you know what's funny is there's no organization for people like me. There's no religious agnostics because you're not. You know, I, I, I have a relationship with God, and I reject every single one of his salesmen. That's the best way I can sum it up. <laughs> and here's the other thing. God doesn't need my dough. God doesn't need my dough. And when mm-hmm. I heard this priest, this fraud of a Soviet socialist con man, Pope, say reject the glitter and glitz, is he aware of what he's standing in? What has more glitter than get and glitz than a Roman Catholic church in a poor neighborhood? Go look at Bridgeport at the churches. They're unbelievable. You want to talk about glitter and glitz? Look at the unimaginable, incalculable wealth of the church. And I had somebody tweet me. I said that on, on Twitter. I had somebody tweet me and say, oh, well, those are artists that gave up their time. I'm not talking about that, nitwits. I'm talking about the financial investments of the, Bank of Vatic- of the Vatican Bank. You cannot calculate it. You know how much of Goldman Sachs the Vatican owns? You know how much of, of military industrial complex the Vatican owns stock? It's insane. Oh, gosh. It's insane. Yeah. You want to talk? So listen, the last thing I need is some, some guy who exploits the problems with corruption and capitalism and, and, and makes a fortune worth trillions of dollars telling me to avoid it as he stands there in his gold frickin' robe. It's almost as offensive to me as a clear and obvious homosexual pretending to give me marital advice as he took on a, 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 an oath of, of celibacy and poverty. Get the hell out of here. You don't know what one married man faces, you fraud. So that's why those I reject are, it. Those aren't, those aren't true representatives of Christianity, yeah. Sean. No, I know. Jesus himself would beat those people. Yeah. I can't wait to meet God because I think he's a, li- a lot like me with a better sense of humor. <laughs> 
That's just me. I'm sick that way. <laughs> but listen, thanks for calling the show, Mike. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Okay, Sean. All right, buddy. Thank you. So back to J.B. Pritzker, and, and, and it's funny because they are connected. Because what J.B. Pritzker wants you to believe is that he's a virtuous, self-loathing rich man. He's a saint among men, and he has your best interest in mind. So he is going to control your boss, who, by the way, is going to end up firing your ass or going out of business. Period. End of story. But these are considered by our news media, by the Chicago media, these are his successes of his first 100 days. Republicans and business interests oppose it, but Prisker argues there are no good alternatives. You know, you can do massive cuts to the programs and education that people care about. Um, you can raise taxes on everybody, or you can follow the fair tax program, which will not only provide tax relief for most people in Illinois, but only ask the top 3% to pay more. Pritzker hopes to have the tax change, legalized pot, and legalized sports gambling all approved before state lawmakers adjourn at the end of May. Okay, so now here's the thing about Pritzker. Pritzker's never paid income tax because he's never really had an income. Everything he does is an investment. It's a long-term capital gain. So his his tax liability is really 15%, and I think at the most it was 25 or 20%. And then by the time they're done frauding it with their front groups, like that same company that runs commercials for them, that he funds and he shows that he never pay back the money, they don't pay taxes. See, trust fund babies who do nothing but knew who had a mother who knew who, uh, uh, who knew who to hit on and who to fill their dance card. I'm trying to clean it up so we don't get in trouble. Who had a smart mother who thought about the future and maybe dated a rich son of a gun, a trust fund baby himself, like Pritzker's dad, those people don't pay income taxes. Only the Mikes, only the Kurtz and the Justins and the other people that are working today and the me and the you, we pay income tax. Now, we could, our only way to regulate it is not have one, right? Like I was telling you the other day, how do, how do I monitor? I, I, I am in constant contact, and I say, where do I stop working? I take four months off. I smoke cigars. I call radio stations. That's great. But not everybody can do that. And ultimately, what I've come to the realization is I don't want to do that anymore. So what are my choices? I go to a friendly state. That's what people will do. Now, for me, I'm not rich. It's not easy for me, man. I'm struggling all the time, worried about business, worried about income, worried about my product that I do sell, which is why I have to, on the the grand scheme of things, go to a better state. But so do you. See, that's the shame of it. So do you, unless you're in on it. If you're in on it, then, hey, ride that son of a gun like Russell Crowe rode that horse in Gladiator till it just passes out, jump on the next one. They call that a double bubble pension. But the reality is the people who aren't in on it, they're stupid for staying. You stay for love and affection. You're tethered here. And and, and what are the results is that, look, i got to tear myself away from the kids and the, the, the whole thing, and who knows how it's going to end. I'm sure there will be resentment in the future. But at least I won't be extorted. Because what Jelly Belly Pritzker has done, his new income tax, he's not really going to just tax people who are rich. And by the way, $250,000 living on the Gold Coast? You, uh, let's get somebody who makes 251000 and ask him if he's rich. It's a limitation. That's what their philosophy is about. It is about control. It is about limitation. Each and every time. And once again, my argument isn't against the Marxist. They're always there. This kumbaya nonsense is long before Karl Marx. This is what Aristotle realized. This is what uh, philosophers since the dawn of men who trusted their lives or had their lives and freedoms abused by a so-called government, just made up of other men, by the way, which I can't figure out why we don't make that connection. 
It doesn't work. It is a form of prison. It is a form of extortion. Because what are these policies that, that Pritzker touts as an accomplishment and the news media cheer? But extortion. You're extorting the employer. You're extorting the man who somehow figures out how to become uh, a good high earner in that system. You're saying to him, give it to me. Do what I say. And this is America? And this is, a, this is federalism? Oh, I got state rights. The state doesn't have any more legal right to make laws to strip me of my property than the government does, than the king did. This is about recognizing what a legitimate law is versus an illegitimate. He's experimenting with my life, with my money, with yours, with your neighbors. This is one big experiment. This fat slob not only doesn't know how to count calories per day, He's never really done anything except had his family money to invest as a venture capitalist. And he didn't make the decisions. His brother who runs the marathons did. This scumbag never did anything except figure out how to take 40% of the people who, who go to work in his building that he claims as a, uh, as a big success, his techni- technological uh, advantage building where you don't pay rent. But if you create something, he gets 40% of the take. Why is it we don't have a side saying, excuse me. Our government, which, by the way, the Illinois government is bankrupt. The Illinois politicians, both Republicans and Democrats, have spent us into a coma and into oblivion where we can never come out of it. You don't get to take and control other business. Now, what else he did that's a success is he he signed the no-smoking law. This one I have specific knowledge of. And, by the way, I, I, I don't know if I told you this. I've got an annoying kid who's 18 and a half, and he couldn't wait to come in the store, and he comes in every Friday, drives me nuts. I'm kind of looking forward to this 21 because I could t- legally throw that kid the hell out of there. But anyway, um, the immorality of what he's doing by trying to raise your kids and other adults and every aspect of America, whether it's vote or get killed, 18 is the age. I find it laughable when these frauds try to pretend they're moral and say, no, 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 it's for your own good. But by the way, you can gamble and smoke pot in the same freaking sentence. In the same sentence, because you know what the legal age to gamble is? 18 in Illinois. So that kid can go and lose all his money and his dad's money and steal his grandmother's credit card and go bankrupt. But can he have a cigar? No, that's where I draw the line. Do you understand what kind of quagmire we're in when we let these very flawed frauds, by the way, Look at the Panama Papers and Pritzker's entire family in the Panama Papers. And for those of you who don't know what the Panama Papers is, it's how rich people avoid taxation in their countries all around the world. And Pritzker's in it. Did you know that? So the idea that he's touted by minorities, and and we have Verlan, a friend of the show, calling all the time. He lives in this neighborhood. He knows this. He is a man of color, and I hate to even say that. And you see the destruction in minority culture. Because of these frauds, these pseudo-intellectual, pretend-virtuous opportunists. Because don't forget, in this, at the end of all of it, there will be a link to Pritzker Company making money. That's the scam. That's the fraud. That's what you're facing. It's despicable. And my argument isn't, is this going to happen? Yes. There's always scumbags in a crowd. There's always a pickpocket. There's always a scum. There's always a wife beater, a murderer. That's what happens when you get them in a crowd. The problem is, why have we turned over 
our financial well-being, uh, the, the true accumulation of the only way to fight these people is to keep your property, at least so you could move out, and we turn it over to this guy? All these guys, I, I, I have a little uh, small cigar store um, in a really nice little neighborhood in Elmhurst, and I look at all the people who worry. And it's funny because when I get there, I gotta, I gotta vacuum, I gotta mop the toilets, I gotta clean the floors, I gotta do all the stuff that isn't about sitting down and talking about politics and smoking cigars. I gotta do the stuff that makes the business stay open. And I gotta worry every month about the, the bills and the rent, and, and it's the stress. And now this guy comes in from Mount High and says, "Hey, if you want help and you're gonna hire an employee, if you want that, and you're gonna pay him what I say you pay him." And you know what I do? I close the door. My cigar store, by the way, if you come there, don't look at the website for hours because they're not right because I won't pay anybody. So when I have to go pick up my kit, lock the door. When my, my uh, new partner comes in and they, and they can't work or they have to go to the doctor, lock the door. That's what I'm doing because I'll close the door before I turn over what I've sweat, what I've worried about, what I've bled and, and, and pondered and thought and strategized. Before I turn over the operations to government, I'll go out of business. And then the ramifications are what? You can't calculate it. Both to the, to the guy who, I'm sure the neighborhood goes, oh, he's a landlord, he's rich. Bullshit, he's rich. What do you think he's worried about, the taxes on that building? Or about his other business? See, the problem is they've, they've demonized the achiever, the worker, the real doer. And they've made the people who aren't good at it. They've made us all wait for them. Kind of like school where they make all the smart kids wait for the dummies so that the dummies can pretend to be good. It's the same damn thing, only it's with money. That's why you got to go to high ground, brother. But where is the high ground? When the Republican rebuttal to it and the philosophy of it is that of a Stephen Moore. No, I was a little hard on my guy, Prof, when I walked in. I said, you missed an opportunity. And this is always my argument. There are always going to be these people. But the only savior in society is the people who rebuke them, the people who reject their ideas, the people who say, no, 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 scumbag. You're fixing the game. You're rigging the outcome. You're not playing by a set rule. You're not doing what you told me you'd do. See, that's how you get back to it. And we're supposed to be the Republicans. That's who's supposed to be like that. Now, mine is always about the, the property rights. Because without them... You're just slaves. And maybe you're favorite, maybe you're not, but you're a slave nonetheless. So I always root for the capitalists out there, for the people who, who used to stand on principles and fundamentals. Guys like the old Stephen Moore, because the new one isn't there. The new one isn't there at all. So during an interview today on my way in, I kind of ruined what I, what I completely wanted to talk about because i got to go in a little while. But um, I was listening to Stephen Moore be interviewed on the morning show by Dan and Amy. And Stephen Moore was nominated for the Fed, the Federal Reserve Board, which, by the way, if you look at how it was passed and why it was passed and what its object is, you realize it doesn't operate that way. In fact, the Federal Reserve, our Federal Reserve system is corrupted. It is frauded. It tries to manipulate the economy. It tries to benefit uh, special interests. It tries to help the fraud of monumental debt because that's when the Federal Reserve makes its money. That's how it makes its money. And we don't even know who makes the money, by the way. But that's how it makes the money. Right? And everybody wants you to believe, oh, just a little bit goes by. You're talking about a little bit on $22 trillion that they admit to. And they're also paid on all the dark money they fund, too. That these are the real oligarchs, the American oligarchs are the people who are in charge of the Federal Reserve, who have corrupted our politics. That's what they are. Most of the time, you don't know who they are. But every once in a while, you get a little hopeful. 
right? I remember when Greenspan first got elected because Greenspan used to be a Ayn Rand supporter. He used to be more of, a, of an economic capitalist than a free marketeer. All he needed to change his mind was a job at the Federal Reserve. And lo and behold, the money that was printed from the time Greenspan was hired to the time he retired is only surpassed by what's been printed since then. So he took the, the idea that he, that he hated fiat currencies and that he was looking to get us more towards a stable currency, and he let the, the, the floodgates open. And you increase the monetary supply by 600% from 2000 to now. It's almost unimaginable. So they, Donald Trump starts off very early, rightfully so, rallying a guy like me saying, let's audit the Fed. Let's seriously look about kind of hybriding our currency to commodities to kind of bring back a stabilization and prevent this kind of bastardization of, of what the Federal Reserve was supposed to do to what it has become, right? Because I hired uh, uh, Dr. Jekyll and I have Mr. Hyde. That's what the Federal Reserve is. And instead, he gets elected or nominated, excuse me, and he's going through the board, and this is a guy who started out by saying audit the Fed. He actually wrote a book about it. Audit the Fed, attach our currency to some hybrid form of commodities to stabilize it. This is his book. I read it. Now, what he says is, because what he knew is that you had to have set rules, and then the market could operate. See, that's what a Federal Reserve is supposed to be. Rules, then the market operates. It doesn't look at the market and say, how could I fake it? That's the opposite of a good Fed. That's a Fed that wants to continue the bullshit. That's a Fed that wants to continue the funding and the Keynesian soiree of socialism that this country's become. But I want you to listen very carefully to what Stephen Moore said. Remember back in, um, in uh, late last year and early this year, the economy seemed to be faltering. I was getting a little bit nervous. And by the way, I was the one, I want to, if I may, on the Dan and Amy show, pat myself on the back for a minute. I was yeah. the one when the, when the Fed raised its interest rates in December. You remember that was about a week before Christmas. The yes. stock market crashed. Yes. Well, uh, think... Jerome Powell was speaking. The, the Dow fell 700 points and fell by 2,500 points So what points should be the answer? Uh, and, and I was the one who said this is one of the stupidest acts the Fed has ever you know, done. And a week after Christmas, they, they put their tail between their legs, admitted they were wrong, and this that is I was crazy. right. And ever since then... Ever since the uh, the Fed kind of retracted its its uh, decision to raise rates in December, the economy's been on a nice tear. And I, my feeling right now is the economy's back in a big way. I mean, I think we're actually headed right back to three percent growth. I'm so sick of this talking point BS. But I got I, I want you to focus on the other thing. So, in other words, when the Federal Reserve makes its decision about our monetary policies, it is to keep an eye on the market. It is to worry about the market as it makes decisions based on the economic platform of our nation. Are you out of your mind? If the market is a fraud, the Federal Reserve is to stop it in the real world. The way in which the Federal Reserve was even passed was to not keep in mind of the market reaction to the rules of our monetary policy. That's how you passed the freaking law. And you are arguing against it right now. In fact, you're saying, Stephen Moore, that it should only implement policies that will benefit the market, which is what we used to call insider bullshit trading. And now that's what you're promoting and what you're guaranteeing will happen in the future. TARP was a scam, ladies and gentlemen. It paid off the very scumbags that were in on it. And it kept them rich and fat. 
and it made their power greater. It should have never been implemented on the American people. Those companies and those, those decision makers that agreed to go along with the scam should have been bankrupted. And the new spring of capitalists should have been able to arise and harvest the benefits of not following those bastardized laws. Instead, you strengthened them. TARP, don't believe it because they're selling you fear of something that they think, a hypothesis of what they presume would have happened, not the reality of what happens each and every time in capitalism. When bad, when monster companies make bad decisions, they go bankrupt, new companies come out. That's the beauty of it. It's the ebb and flow of being held by your decisions. That's why you have to stay on the cusp of, of righteousness when you're a capitalist. You have to stay on the cusp of productivity. Because once you fake it, you're supposed to, it's only a matter of time before the, the Madoff exposure of the Ponzi scheme happens. Stephen Moore is guaranteeing to protect the Madoff Ponzi scheme of our market. And it's a shame. And it's not going questioned by the conservatives because they nod their head because they want to believe the lie. Until you have principles and fundamentals, you're just looking for the best bullshit. You're just looking for the best lie. You just want the one that sounds the best. Only the good people, Americans, American companies. Screw them when they cheat. The idea is what is the fundamental principles and the righteousness of true capitalism, true freedom and liberty of the consumer, of the individual. Not this nonsense, because only 50% of you have money in the stock market. That's it. The other 50% are not to be victimized, and they're not to fund this fraud of fake interest rates, fake, fake Keynesian spending, and fake, fake controlled debt that they think you can just be a little outraged at rather than exposing what these policies really result in are $270 trillion in unfunded liabilities. That's what our debt really is, more than 10 times what they show you. Oh, we got another call. It's a busy day here at the Liberty Hour. Bob, thanks for calling, buddy. Uh, uh, thanks uh, for taking my call. Um, I've been following um, Stephen Moore in the recent days. I Just to go back a little bit, I've been monitoring the H-1B visa immigration issue for over 20 years. <laughs> and last week, he just wrote a commentary uh, in, I think it was Town Hall and a few other places that appeared. I think it might have been L.A. Times where he said America's immigration uh, programs are really the most successful in the, in the U.S. economy has been the H-1B program. Oh, my God. And then he, and then he keeps on going, saying how great the program is. Uh, I don't think he's probably ever read the book by Michelle Malkin and uh, John Miano, Sold Out, which outlines all the problems with that program. And the public is, again, blind on it because nobody's covering what's Bob, happening to the American worker. Let's explain because I, you know, I know it, but I want to make sure everybody does. H-1B visa is where a foreign national, or a, I'm sorry, a foreigner agrees to spend half a million dollars in investment in business in America. He automatically becomes a citizen. Um, there was a restriction. Not really. No, there was a restriction no, really. on time, right? No, uh, it's, it was initially uh, instituted in 1991 to bring in tech workers 
uh, the, uh, fill the apparent shortages in the tech industry. Mm-hmm. And the original visa was for three we- three years. Right. And if they needed you, they could renew it for another three years, six years. Mm-hmm. And initially, the program seemed like a great idea to bring in high-skilled tech workers uh, to take the jobs that Americans didn't have the skills for it, like Intel, Motorola, um, Microsoft, and uh, eventually it morphed into a way to bring in cheap workers. And then the other thing that it morphed into is Indian firms, outsourcing firms, set up offices here in the United States and then staffed those offices with uh, H-1B workers. Yeah, but They're part foreign of the, staff. Part of the program is they don't pay income tax either. Right? No. And, um, that, <laughs> so think and then about there's that. A, you, you mean and to tell he, me for three years you get to produce and not pay any income tax? That's why uh, Dunkin' Donuts always has a new owner, because they don't pay uh, tax. And then, and then the other the other one, they, it's supposed to bring in high-skilled workers. Mm-hmm. And I've been, again, following this for 20 years. Um, they can morph it into uh, other disciplines because nobody monitors it. Um, I found years ago there was um, a soccer coach that was um on an H-1B visa. Mm-hmm. I've seen people that one, one year there was, um, I found a Jimmy John's store manager was on an H-1B. And didn't and they? Then a court, a, Go ahead. A, here, a, one more. The classic one is uh, there's a special section allocated uh, for, you ready for this? Uh-huh. Female models. Oh, I love that one. And okay. Get, now, let's not get against And guess who has... Um, who, who had one? Melania. Yep. Ah, see, Bob, I could follow the bouncing ball, buddy. Listen, here's here's the other thing. They put the very politically connected in high p- positions of selling those HB1 visas, which is why Hillary Clinton's brother had a piece of that action, didn't he? With yep. Terry McCullough. And she also, and she had, uh, during um, the last campaign, uh, I Googled the Clinton Foundation, and I found out uh, there was uh, H-1Bs on her foundation. Now, you know what's funny, Bob? And I mean this from the point of view of, of my point of view. I have no problem in streamlining our, uh, a citizen pro- uh, process, a citizenship process for people who are entrepreneurs. I think that should be phenomenal. In fact, wouldn't yeah. it be great if you just had small little tiny rules in place? You can come to this country. You qualify for zero benefits for 10 years. And and if you start a business, we will put in, in place a title theory lending process where we'll allow you to borrow against the concept. However, among default, it goes back to the property uh, of, the, of the lender instead of a foreclosure process, which is a lawsuit. See, there are so simple ways to streamline this process because I'm going to tell you something, Bob. I do believe that in some instances, especially in my own history, the most patriotic Americans are the new ones. By far. So I want, yep. to stoke, I want to stoke the lantern of bringing over those right-minded um, um, people who are coming here for the true benefits of America, what, what we believe Americanism is, versus the welfare state that is sent here to lure the undesirables. So I think we need to, to come up with a solution that targets specifically the people who come here for the freedoms that we, we promote and we talk about. That aren't coming yeah. here to bring their kids to the emergency room, to tuck them into a public school, to implode a welfare system of food stamps or whatever the case may be. But who come here because look, they, they tried Venezuela and they say, this sucks. Can you imagine, Bob, if you and I are born in Venezuela in, like, let's say the 70s? Can you imagine what it's like to, to be there now, trapped there? I would do anything 
to get out of there. But if you had a position that took a guy like me or took a guy like you and said, come on over to America, baby, and you go. Remember when Ronald Reagan, Reagan was elected and he said, now go. Go and do whatever you want to do. That's what I want. And I think we need to attack. The problem in all of this, Bob, to me, is destroy our welfare system, and you will have the best country in the world. Because that's, that's the result we are. Our grandparents didn't get welfare. My, my family, the Italian side, got here in the late 1800s. They got nothing. Zero. There was no nothing. They, they, they had to make their life living. And that's how it's supposed to be. The idea that, that we lure them. You know, where Obama was running commercials in Central America about our welfare system? I mean, how could you blame these people for trying to come here? They were lured here. It's like when I go to the car dealership and they show me 0% financing, 72 months, and, and 14000 off of, of Ford F-150. And then I go there and they realize, no, that's not for you. It's only for the guys who drew, had the F-150. It's the same kind of bait and switch to me. So I think Republicans need to present their outrage at the H-1B visa, and they need to come up with a system that says, look, you want to come here with your kids and baby, fine. Here's the deal. You get nothing for nothing. Nothing for nothing. You qualify for nothing. However, we're going to help you become a success. That's what would win. And you know who's going to present that? It isn't going to be the Republicans. It's going to be the con man Pete Buttigieg or the other fraud Andrew Yang. Because we have become so close-minded, we don't know what we're arguing about anymore. Well, you want to hear a good one? Again, since I followed this uh, for so many years, back in the 2000 election, Uh uh, uh, Bush was for the uh, H-1B program. So was, um, uh, um, come on. The uh, the green guy. Uh, come on. Um, the green guy. Uh, yeah. Um, um, in two thousand, you're talking about Al Gore. Clinton. 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 The Clinton's um, Al Gore, vice president. Gore. Both those guys were for H-1Bs. Yeah. But on the extremes, Pat Buchanan pointed out all the problems with the program, and nobody listened to him. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, Ralph Nader pointed out all the problems. With yeah. the program, and nobody listened to him. And it was know, the strangest thing. Pat Buchanan and Ralph Nader were in total agreement. It's strange, and it isn't, because you keep in mind what they're both arguing for is they're pro-union. See, the biggest yeah. threat to the union is, immigra- is free immigration. And look at yeah. it, in Illinois, Pritzker goes on to say what he's done is tremendously strengthen unions. Because, see, that's why I like the immigration where the immigrant gets to come. Because I'll tell you what. I can't, and, and listen, I married a union hierarchy's daughter, okay? I worked in the unions very young, and I am here to tell you they are a scam. They are a labor a extortion racket. That's it. They've niched out a place in labor where they extort the worker and they extort the employee, and they present themselves as good when they're nothing but wannabe gangsters. And that's how they run it. You want a job, you pay a guy. What do, what do you think a business agent is other than an old-fashioned uh, collector for a bookie? That's all a business agent is. And they extort everybody. You want to talk Don't about what really... Don't get started on, uh, yeah. so, on unions. So whatever father... hurts the unions, I'm for. Go ahead. What were yeah, you going to say? Uh, yeah, uh, well, back uh, when I was growing up, my father had a small um, non-union shop. Yeah. And, How'd that go um, over? Uh, well, uh, what happened was uh, the union guys came in and said, um, you're going to be unionized. Yeah. And um, he, um, not, not, the way it was put was 
you're going to be unionized, yeah. you know, without, but there was forces put, put on him. Yeah. Uh, his, uh, his um, 12 employees, I think he had, were literally forced then to unionize. They're extortion uh, racket. The only difference yeah. is in today's world, you see these guys, they're more like Pritzker than they are Luca Brazzi. They've become fat and lazy too. That's why I'm almost upset that I don't get shaken down because I would love to take one of these scumbags in a parking lot. But listen, so he uh, go ahead. So he uh, they, they it became a union shop. The uh, they uh, had boosted wages. They you know uh, mentioned you're going to uh, get uh, a higher salary from us. And then the employees got their check, and they go, "What? What's wrong with my check?" You said we were gonna we were gonna get a raise. How long? Said, how well, long? You did. You, you did. You did get a raise, but yeah. the union dues uh, had to come out of it, so you're actually making less. How long before he closed down? Uh, probably around ten, fifteen years later. The yeah. mar- the market for his business changed. Yeah, sure. And, and his labor um, costs went it, up. In the last seven years, he probably funded it with his own money. That's oh, a, yeah. Well, about, yeah, he, uh, he shut down the, uh, and it became a storefront. That's exactly what happens, business. brother. Listen, yeah, Bob. he got rid of all the workers, and then he, it, there was just like two or three employees um, just, you know, shuffling stuff around, and uh, the employees were gone. Thank you so much for calling the show. I really do appreciate yeah. it, Bob, and thank you for listening. Take care. Bye I now. have to go to work. Thank you. Goodbye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's true. I got to go to work because I'm getting ready to get the hell out of Illinois. I got to get a bunch of stuff straight. In fact, I want to tell you next week, unfortunately, we will not be doing the podcast on Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm going to be in Florida um, because that's where the future is for me and my family. And I owe it to myself to take my own advice. I hope you take the advice. I hope you look at things on a very, very even-minded projection of what is happening here in Illinois. And the fact is that they're implementing what they're touting as solutions that are actually the root causes of the problem. And things are only going to get worse. Take it easy, uh, fat boy jelly belly, because I can't wait to change the license plates on my car. Take care.